Hi everyone, it's Shahid here from The Creative Floor. Just to remind everyone that the award show is open and the final deadline is the 26th of March. Uh, we also have some fantastic production shout outs later on in this podcast, so please do keep a listen out for those. And we are talking to the team at Naked Health. So I'm really, really glad to say we've got uh, founding partners, uh, Max Jackson. You right, Max? Hi, hi, hi there, Shahid. Nice to, nice to be here. Thanks for your invite. Yeah. No, thank you. You're in Moscow, right? That's correct. Yes, I'm in Moscow. It's uh, snowing, it's minus 12, and it should be minus 30 tonight. So, yeah, perfect summer day. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, mate. <laughs> and we've also got Raj Changra, another founding partner. You're right, Raj. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. He's not there. He's not there. Where is yeah, he? Just, I hear him. I yeah, hear him. he's there. <laughs> <laughs> I could have said hello. I am here. Oh, I can hear yeah, him. Hello. We've also got Lee Williams, another founding partner. You're right, Lee. Hi, uh, yeah. Hi, Shahid. How are you doing? I'm in sunny London. I'm not in Moscow. Pleased to know. And, uh, yeah, London yeah. is sunny today, isn't it? It's really nice. Well, it's beautiful. Yeah, I'm just sat looking, looking at the river. Actually, it's really nice. Oh, we'll go for a swim in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at a bunch of kids' toys, but uh, so your view beats mine. Um, and, we've, <laughs> <laughs> and and we've also got Johnty. What are you? You partner as well? I'm on a part. I'm not a founding partner. I'm a partner. I came in uh, just a little bit later on, and uh, well, my, my story is I'm not actually from the agency network um, uh, thing. I, I came in uh, really from a production yeah. side. We talk yeah. about it a bit later. Well, you're a very like. famous director. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Stop. Don't, don't tell him that. Can we get this all that? Well, we'll get on to how famous you are. Right <laughs> we'll get on to how famous you are. Famous for all the wrong reasons, I think. Uh, okay, well we'll, <laughs> well, we'll get those reasons out a little bit later on, no doubt. So yeah, th- just look, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I think that was the longest intro I've ever had. I don't think I've had so many people on a podcast, so it's going to be a good one. <laughs> so just thank you for joining. Because obviously you guys have set up your own independent. I think it's been going for a couple of years now. Yeah. You're all remote. So I think yeah. it's really interesting because you kind of back in the day before everyone had to work remotely already put it into practice so you perhaps um were kind of used to working in a lockdown environment a little bit more so than most of us today and you've all come from fairly similar backgrounds with the exception of john t you've all had you know big network roles you've all had big network salaries and titles and of course you've sort of come to a moment in time where you've made that jump you've made that leap you've gone and done your own thing you've been you know hugely successful in in a very short amount of time and and it'd be just great to hear your story uh maybe if you could share any insights and if you could even connect to somebody right now who might be listening to this who might have been working much like yourselves for a number of years in a very secure job in a big network who perhaps is feeling that there's a there's a time to do something a little bit different and and something for themselves and how they go about doing that yes i'm uh, let, let's start at the beginning. I think it, it, you know, it's kind of it's kind of an interesting journey. You, you're absolutely right, Charlie. When you're seeing a nice, cozy network job, and you know your next paycheck's coming in, and you've got some kind of title, and it kind of inflates your ego. It really is a it is a tricky jump to think. Well, I want to go independent. I want to start small, maybe with no clients. We actually started with no clients at all. We just had a concept um, and building from there. And it's it's a pretty scary leap. And I think that. One of the reasons that kind of motivated me to do it was it was a very simple thing, which was that um, for about the last, well, for the last 20, 30 years, I've been sort of in networks. And, and the most difficult question I ever had was, 
what makes you different from all the other agencies and all the other networks? And I kind of eventually realized that I got sick of lying, that we were different, <laughs> to be honest, because there's, there's no answer to that question. They're all the bloody same. It's not, it's not like the people are better because the people are on a merry-go-round. So you're in, you're in publicist one day, you're in WPP, the next day you're in Harvard, the next day. It does, so it's not the people. It's not the magic source. They've all got magic source and most of them are crap. It's not the, um, it's not with the network philosophy. They're all philosophy the same. Squeeze the bottom line, get as much money out of the people and make as much profit for the shareholders. And so once you get over that, you suddenly realize what an empty life. And you think there must be more to this. And to be honest, that was my biggest motivation for wanting to join this happy band of, of, of travelers. So that's me, my story. I mean, obviously, you're very well known within the industry, but just for those that perhaps might be new to, to this industry, <laughs> you, you, you're more from the account side background. So Yes, strategic planning, actually, to be to be brutally okay. honest. But the last, okay. I mean, the last twenty years was much more corporate. So I was basically running networks, and so so that's the other thing I got fed up with: getting further and further away from what I love doing, which is talking to clients and solving their problems, and more and more solving the company's problems, um, which is which is kind of more an administrative role than than a, than a real creative strategic role. It's the interesting moment of your most of your journeys, I think, Raj. Max and Lee, you were all working at the same agency together. Is, is that correct? We, we, we were latterly, yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know if you want me to jump in, Raj, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah so my, well, my story began. I foolishly studied um, science, actually. <laughs> so I studied um, biotechnology, biochemistry, ended up working in research, neurogenetics, absolutely hated it. I was always you know, playing the piano and writing crap and blah, blah, blah. So I always had that sort of creative thing in me. So I joined um, an independent agency called Norris Lincoln in about 1995 as a trainee copywriter. Um, and then kind of worked there for 11 years, 11 sort of great years. So I, in some ways, I've kind of come full circle because I've, I spent about 20 years deliberating, thinking, God, it'd be so cool to have, have an, my own agency with some, you know, some friends and colleagues. I couldn't find any of those, but so we set it up with these guys. But, but, um, but I was, you know, just deliberating for years and years. And as Max said, you get really comfy, you know, you get the salary and all that other sort of crap, really. Um, and, and, you know, for, for one re- reason and the other, we, we, kind of finally did it we're all probably a lot older than we we would have liked to have been setting up our own agency but it's, it's working out really 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 well I think yeah. I think my you know I'm I'm just over 50 now so I think I would have loved to have done this but when I was probably 35 40 okay. um, so my, my advice would be I guess to anybody else listening who's thinking of just just do it and um, it always works out and it all you know there's always fear and, and um, trepidation um, but but just do it, and um, you know I don't know anybody who has regrets who's done this sort of thing. To be honest, how long were you in in full time employment then? Well, God, well I worked in in research neurogenetics in Queen's Square for about five years, and in a in a lab um, doing sort of research into movement disorders. So I was there for about five years after I after I graduated a long long time ago, and then eleven years in in an independent healthcare agency. I mean, I wanted originally to get into consumer agencies, and um, and and. You know, made some sort of headway there. Then I discovered all these pharmaceutical agencies. So, like, oh my God, this is perfect with my background. So, so I jumped into Norris Lincoln for eleven years. Worked my way up from a trainee copywriter to a joint creative director. We did loads of TV. Did a really good mix of stuff. You know, from 
sort of heavyweight RX right up to kind of um, fairly big TV commercials. And then um, was lured into the network world at Havasa. I really, I really liked Havasa. Actually, really good, um, really good network work there and, and kind of really developed from being, you know, a reasonably naive, independent sort of person to doing loads of um, big global work. Um, and, and I got really good support at Havasa as well and, and, and some really good experiences. And then was kind of um, headhunted, I guess, by David, uh, who was MD at Sudler at the time, and, and Max, of course. So I, I met those two guys a couple of times um, for a fairly informal chat, and they lured me over into into Sudler. I was there for about four years, I think, where where I got obviously got to know Max a lot more, and and we worked together on a couple of pitches and all that sort of stuff. And and um, I met Raj, and and um, ultimately John. Just if I can jump in at that at this stage, one, one of the reasons that I, again I don't want to don't want to make give uh, Lee a warm feeling in his pockets, but one of the reasons that I, that I wanted to work with him was 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 that was that experience that my my experience of, of some creative directors are they're a little bit precious and a little bit kind of hands off, and but but Lee's kind of a hands on get into the stuff, knows his craft. And I think that's, that's for independence, that's really important. I think the one thing to say, if anyone's thinking of going independent, is you can, you cannot be arm's length. Everyone has to roll their sleeves up. Everyone has to dig in. Everyone has to, you know, whatever needs to be done, you've got to do it. And, and if you're not prepared for that heavy lifting, it's going to be a tough journey. Sorry to interrupt, perhaps. No, that's a good point. No, I, th- I think that's a really good point. I think that's one of the key things we've learned, right? It's because um, we obviously come from different kind of experiences and kind of the things we really love doing, right? But, you know, you can't really have that siloed approach when it's your business, it's your bread and butter. And ultimately, you your name's above the building, right? So you're kind of accountable to the clients, but all to everyone else as well i think also lee mentioned this thing about fear and i've heard a lot about this you know especially last year i think you know people talk about their they're afraid of working from home they're afraid of starting their own business i and i challenge people and go look it's probably more well personally certainly for me it's, i think it's there's more fear letting somebody else dictate where your career is going to go where your kind of pay rise is going to come from where your relationship uh, with a client is going to go right, and and that's generally what happens. That's certainly my experience at the networks, and I've only really worked at one, and I think that was enough. Right uh, <laughs> after that, it was a launch pad to do my own thing, and you know, kind of like like I suppose I suppose when Lee was still kind of at uh, his kind of last agency, right? I think probably for a, a year or two before that, I think I'd left and I went to join a, a top three farmer, went in house, right, um, and kind of sat between medical. And marketing so i kind of got the other end of the kind of perception right certainly from managing agencies and kind of seeing what client teams really want and think and feel um and what's the kind of key decider in terms of kind of retaining an agency right so i think just to but jump right back to the beginning certainly for me a bit like lee and max uh science kind of background a couple of degrees in science you know i i was good at doing exams i think <laughs> but then you kind of uh, pop out into the real world right and you kind of get your your first job um and you think you're kind of a superhero or whatever and then you know you're kind of answering these kind of business emails really right you're you're working in a business you're not sat at a uh at a kind of uh uh, a university kind of exam desk, you know? And so how do you translate all that kind of academic textbook stuff into 
shifting the needle, right? Because you're paid to be productive. You're paid to kind of convince individuals that you're giving them smart advice. Um, you're giving them smart creative. You're giving them kind of real cutting edge strategy or whatever, maybe not necessarily at the early part of my career. And, and that I think was a seismic shift. Less so for me, I think. Um, been pretty entrepreneurial, I think, certainly from the beginning, you know, kind of grew up with my old man kind of running his own businesses. So kind of got a flavor of all that uh, from the beginning. And then kind of jumped into the agency world via publishing. So I did publishing probably for a year or so, which was quite interesting how journals are put together how kind of relationships with uh, scientific steering boards are kind of managed that was all quite interesting and then kind of probably worked at the best um uh med ed agency in the world what was that? um independently owned that was meditech oh. so i kind of cut my teeth there um i think they've recently sold they did. i think yeah they so, sold. Uh, yeah tip my hat off to steve you know the ceo so um so th those are kind of very formative years right i think in the early days it was kind of you know clients had loads of budgets they really trusted and uh kind of put a lot of uh faith in the hands of the agencies to kind of lead and and kind of really direct the shape of their kind of you know medical strategy and kind of marketing side mm. as well so that was all very fascinating and interesting to see i was still wet behind the ears right coming from university um so kind of did that for seven eight years and then i still think back to those days that's really where i kind of cut my teeth and the mantra there was you have to roll your sleeves up it doesn't matter if you've got a phd everybody kind of joined as an account exec generally um you know so it was quite a, a fall from grace for some people not everyone survived but the ones that did right really excelled right and kind of grew um kind of stayed so i suppose i stayed there for seven eight years and then thought apr's hey, all right PR sounds really mm. good. PR sounds really kind of sexy. So I did that for probably about six months. That was a total... <laughs> Where was that? Fucking failure. The failure. Best not oh, to okay. say. Eh? Um, <laughs> so kind of, kind of did that. Um, so that, that was quite an interesting experience. Um, uh, PR's not my thing, I think. Uh, and I, probably I'm not PC enough or patient or whatever. Um, and then moved around to a couple of independents which is quite good. And I think by that stage, I was getting to the point where, you know, I, d I don't really want to work for anyone else, right, until it's something really amazing. Um, and then kind of that's where I met Lee and Max. Max actually hired me, actually. I think he was over from uh, some somewhere who's perpetually traveling. Um, so he kind of hired me and stayed there for two or three years. And that's really when I kind of shifted my mindset from, med ed med comms to advertising and patients um and that's where i really felt like that's what i really want to do you know um and then kind of left there and joined a top three farm company um which was a fascinating experience but we can kind of talk about that as we kind of uh progress and uh suddenly we're here really cool and and you're 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 from more of an account management background or, or planning yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends who you, you talk to, right? It, it could be account mismanagement or management, but definitely on the, on the, on the, definitely on the, the latter side now. I hope, I hope. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got superstar director, John T. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Lovely. I think, I think superstar director is a bit over, over the top, but um, 
you know, I mean, I was listening to Raj and, and his kind of topsy-turvy, um, kind of quite quite complex route to where we got to, uh, where we are at now, I guess. And I was just thinking of like what what, what my story is, and you know, I kind of, I, I guess I cut, I cut my teeth um, in the BBC and and uh, at MTV, so a different type of network, I guess, you know, where where it's it's still the same kind of structures, and everyone's kind of you, you get in there and you're there for life, and you're and you're just treading your your bit, and you're avoiding people in corridors and and all the politics and stuff. And something I didn't. I never in, enjoyed at all, and so, and so as a as a as a kind of junior creative, uh, trying to write uh, interesting copy for 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 promoting the shows and 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 doing all that stuff, I found myself doing more and more uh, directing. Uh, I would I'd always find a reason uh, to avoid having to use the already made footage, or shot footage, uh, and I'd go and beg to my uh, creative director. Uh, to let me take some some of the money and go off and shoot something, and and so eventually I had enough work that I could actually I had a nice little show reel and um, and so I kind of filtered myself more and more into into production, and uh, and so you know, as a result I spent many many years at the end of. Uh, the creative process was going into the agencies when the idea had been sold to client and everything had gone to treatment. And I would add my bit, my little uh, added value to what had already been a well massaged idea uh, to try and make it even better. Um, and I suppose, you know, kind of meeting Lee um, was quite quite an interesting i think meeting Lee is always an interesting experience um but but he gave me the opportunity to come in a bit earlier and as one thing that i really always wanted to do which was to actually be part of the creative process a little bit earlier but as someone who had actually reached more of a um uh you know i had i i had the, the, the qualities of, of directing, but I wanted to actually do the, the creative thing a little bit earlier in the process. Something that I always heard uh, whenever whenever I got the job, uh, it would always be the same thing. It's like, oh, why can't we get the director on board more early? Uh, it would be so much more beneficial to the whole to the whole thing. So um, so yeah, I guess I guess you know Lee gave me that opportunity because I, I I went and did a little bit of work at Sadler. Uh, working on a big uh, campaign for for one of their clients, and um, yeah, we we met at uh, at Can Lions actually. I was I was a speaker uh, a few years ago, uh, talking about faking reality and 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 my thing. <laughs> it's a terrifying experience uh, standing in front of hundreds of people, yeah. hundreds of of very smart people who who I thought were just going to see straight through me. But uh, anyway, I managed to dupe uh, Lee, <laughs> who was convinced of my speech. No, you were really and, good. I was, I, I, I was there. Oh, really? Oh, wicked. Yeah, yeah, I was there. That's why I, I sort of, yeah, said you were famous, because that's, that's, that was my first um, introduction to you. You were showing all the Coca-Cola work, weren't you? And yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was probably the best speech um, of the Farmer Lions that year. Wow, well, it was you. great. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, the rest of them were pretty poor, but yours was very good. But <laughs> just to say, yeah, um, put some context, Jaunty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Matt. Nice. 
yeah it was just full of like clients getting on stage like showing that they'd got a facebook page and all the posts were identical <laughs> and then they were like yeah. the future's video and you just sat there going i've come all the way here to look at someone's really crap facebook page but anyway Yes, you were fantastic. It was it was a breath of fresh air. So you've come from big structural organisations like the BBC. I imagine is probably probably the most corporate, bizarrely, out of all of the networks that you guys have come from. So institutionalised, yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah. And do you think that if if you hadn't have worked in these institutions, that you perhaps wouldn't have learnt your craft yeah, as yeah. well? You, you you're right. I think. I think you're right, I, you know, from the holding companies and everything else, BBC, whatever. I mean, I came from one of the biggest institutions way, way back in the military, so I kind of even even, even more. I think you're right. You have to go through the mill and you have to, to learn your craft. I think I think the tragic thing is now, and, and, and I, I do feel this is a theme for the industry, people aren't learning their crafts in the big institution anymore. So what they're learning is not what they need to do to to, uh, to take their careers forward. They just, so account managers no longer learning about the client's product they're just learning about delivering projects and i think that that kind of knowledge gap that we see in the industry is a, a big reason why we have what i see as an extremely big um talent uh, gap within our industry especially in healthcare and i think it is down to the fact people aren't pre- previously you did learn your craft at the big institutions the problem is the big institutions are not mm. teaching people anymore because they don't have time and they're not interested. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of disagree with that um, personally because I think it all comes down to who the good people. And I think there's not that many good people necessarily got enough time anymore, really. So when I when I think about what 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 really meant something to me as I was kind of learning at, at the kind of you know the grassroots, it was a couple of people. I won't name them because uh, they might deny knowing me. Um, and they really kind of took the time to kind of teach me, really, right? It wasn't a kind of a formal process, but it was a, kind of an enduring but, but, but kind but of just kind process. of my point, I think you're reinforcing it, is, is the yeah. fact that networks do not have the time to do this. The people that would do this mm. either don't have the time or in many cases don't, don't exist anymore. So the, the skill to yeah. do the mentoring is gone. And if the skill exists... They're so distracted with trying to fulfill the bottom line, trying to get the profit, trying to get the 10% increase in revenue, mm. trying to fill the gap between the fact that someone's bought in a client that is is, is unprofitable um, because it makes the, the company look big and, and, and sort of important. And so that's the, that's what I was getting to, the fact not that people don't want to do it. It's literally people can't do it because mm. they don't have time. And in some cases, they don't no longer in their organization. Yeah. Do you think, Max, then do you think people that generally work at networks care anymore? Of course, I the mean, people care. The problem is the people on the ground roots care. And I think this is the biggest tragedy for me as, as, as a kind of network manager, managing a thousand people, was that we had fabulous people. And, and I constantly, it broke my heart how much we were letting them down, how much we were working them too hard, how much we were burning them out, how much we weren't developing them. And, and I think that that in 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 in, in 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 on top of everything else is one of the real reasons why I thought really this is not for me anymore because I can't literally stomach it. Yeah, I know I was going to build on. I think um, I don't want to be bashing networks too much. Well, we can yeah, a little do. bit yeah, later actually, but um, but no, <laughs> I think for me it's almost like um, networks are just overly structured as well. There's, there's there's too many defined roles. And when I worked in independent, you know, I was doing the copy, dealing with the client, coming up with the ideas, and 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 that was such a 
much better kind of apprenticeship, if you will, than, than kind of going into a network where you're siloed into this little narrow lane. Uh, you know, even as a as a uh, an ECD, I remember at times that I'd be with some some account people and some some quite senior, and, and they were a little bit put out if I wanted to speak to the client. And I think I'm reasonably good at speaking to clients and enjoy it, and uh, and that just really wore me down quite a lot. It's just it's just. And, and yeah. they, that was my point, actually. I felt that as well. Yeah. I felt well, that and I think ideal. networks have lost their way a bit as well in terms of, you know, mm. let's face it, you know, we're in the business of coming up with ideas and, as Max said, solving problems for clients. And that's what we should really be focusing on. And I think I, I, I just couldn't face going back into a network with, with, with the, the sort of structure and all the other sort of nonsense that's going on there. And, uh, and, and a good example, I think, Lee, it's some of that we've all spoken about, right, is the pitch process, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what happens from that point of view? I mean, you know, Max, from your point of view, I mean, you know, when you're putting a pitch team together, you know, I mean, how, how do you kind of approach it uh, for, at a uh, network level versus how it probably really should be done and what the client kind of gets at the end of the day, you know? I think that'd be interesting to hear you. Yeah, I mean, I that. think at the network level, it's, it's it, it it comes down to unfortunately, who's one is who's available because everyone is is kind of one hundred and twenty percent. And then then it comes down to unfortunately that politics get in the way as well. So suddenly you have to bring different people in because we need someone from here and all oh, this person get a fan. and and that's not real networks. This is the, this is the big pretense. Networks, the big selling point in networks, and I, I've I've done this. So I, I, I mea culpa is. Is, oh, we can get whoever is best for your project from this vast source of resources. The reality is they can't. The resources exist, but they can't be moved because there's um, PNL silos, because they're overworked, because pol- politically it doesn't work for all of these reasons. And I think that you know one of the things we've discovered in terms of our small is basically we, we pitch as, in as a team together. So when, when we're pitching, we, we pitch them and we naturally divide where our strengths are. So we, one person will say, look, this is something I can really do. I'll take this bit away. And the other person, I'll do it. And it just naturally happens. Now, that sounds very free form and kind of random, but it does work. Now, it probably doesn't work in a massive organization, but, but honestly, we don't want to be a massive organization. And once you get into a massive organization, that's where you lose the personality. And I think that's where clients miss out. So in, in my opinion, you know, th- that's the biggest problem with, with networks is you don't get the talent you really need to work on the, on the pitches for lots of reasons. Well, I, all I wanted to say is, I mean, it's kind of like to paraphrase all of them is that, you know, there was this, there seems to there was this detachment from from all the contact that you have with with clients and we just want to be more hands-on and 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 being able to actually really understand what the client is after and 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 actually just understand what the consumer is after everything everything is changing so unbelievably fast and right now is, is a perfect example of how we're consuming completely differently for about a year now uh, uh, because of this this uh, COVID pandemic, and and you know you have to be able to 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 adapt uh, hyper fast. You know you can't steer a big network ship and turn it around. But you know with us we can we're we're agile. We can change and we can we can adapt so quickly, and and just skip to to what needs to be done immediately you know i think it would just be really interesting again i'm just thinking of somebody who perhaps is listening to this you know they might be they might be 3 years into their career they might be 20 years into their career you know they they're sort of stuck at home they've gone through sort of maybe a year worth of hell you know it's it's hugely stressful working 
under tight deadlines for big corporate structures, as you've said. But, you know, they've got that regular income coming in. They've got that safety net. You know, the healthcare industry has boomed, you know, while, while the world has collapsed around it. So let's, let's, let's if, if, if it's okay, I don't want to bring up any, um, any, any sort of bad memories for you guys. But it would just be really interesting to hear your perspectives of, of the triggers I mean, you know, Raj, you talked about one of the things that people talk about, which I found really interesting, about fear and and the fear of letting go of that security. But actually, your perspective of when you flipped it, I thought was really clever. It was like, well, it's, what about the fear of somebody being ultimately responsible for that promotion or the pay rise? Is you know, that's the, that's the real fear. And I just wonder if there are any if there are any sort of if there's any connective tissue between all of you that basically made you go, these were the trigger points that made me go, enough is enough. I, I, I think from my perspective, and I, I don't know, I, I think that the, the trigger points sort of came from seeing more and more and more layers of administration, more and more people that weren't contributing to the business, more and more pressure put on fewer and fewer individuals um, to deliver and massive structures, especially with the consolidation models where these massive structures are put in place that had to be paid and they were paid but for whether people indulged. And, and from my perspective, I think we all, all of us suffered from, from that, from that particular model where suddenly more and more was being asked of, of fewer and fewer. And, and what you could see within the organization was the less talented, more admin-minded people getting promoted because they could A, manage upwards, and because B, they were, were um, very bought into the model of just administrating and, and didn't want to add value to the clients. And I think that was my source of frustration. I think Lee and Raj probably both came from, John T probably less because he wasn't Deeply yeah. I just wanted something different. Yeah. I just wanted something different. That's quite simple, really. I mean, I'm a bit, a bit shameful, really. But you know. yeah, well, I guess for me, and I'm um, and Shahid, you may and John T will definitely relate this quite an emotional sort of creative as well. So for for me, it's it's really important um, the people who are people who, who you're working with, and um, not just the people you work with, but people in charge of your destiny, I guess. And any time I've left an agency is when I've just run out of patience um, for that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of often the way, isn't it? Particularly, I guess, people at our level when when the very top people uh, uh, change and and there's quite some significant structural changes. I think it's it's often a good time to to uh, leave that ship, I guess, and uh, do your own thing. So again, going back to you know, if somebody's out there and um, and is in this cushy sort of network world, uh, you know, particularly in healthcare, it, it is. You know, it's on the app even more than ever. You know, I would make that leap and, and just try it, and you know, maybe save up a bit of money to to give yourself a bit of a buffer. Um, but just just get out there and do it because you know it is so much better being being in charge of your own destiny and uh, not having uh, you know a bunch of idiots um, in charge of your destiny and salary. To be honest, um, Matt, out of interest, I mean, yeah. did you when you were working? Because obviously you were running um, sort of the health network. Were you reporting into Sir Martin Sorrell? No, I reported in, well. I reported initially into Jed Biden. So I, I was running the uh, the uh, Sutherland Hennessy part of, uh, uh, but uh, XUS part of that. So I reported into Jed and then into Martin. So yeah, I I was at monthly or bi monthly meetings with Sir Martin. Uh, so I was what exposed. Was he like? <laughs> well, you know, in, in in fairness to the guy, he's he's probably the most intelligent man I've ever met in terms of the fact that this guy get it gets everything. So you you know, never discount him. For, for, he's he's not a fool. Um, 
but he's a very tough manager. A lot of the stories you hear about him are, are probably true. He's he's he doesn't um, he doesn't listen very well, and um, you know he has his own opinion, and it's very hard to change it. He doesn't like healthcare, which is always a, always a struggle. He didn't believe in networks, healthcare networks, so that was always always a bit always a bit of a struggle. And I think that um, you know he's. He's very focused financially. So he's, and, and this is my worry for, for, for his new organization, the S4 Capital, is that Leopard can't change his spots. He's incredibly focused financially. He, they would acquire these wonderful entrepreneurial companies. And you've experienced this, Shahid, with the acquisition you had with publicists, wonderful entrepreneurial companies with these wonderful cultures, which then put into the sausage grinder, tell them they've got to meet the financial revenues. You can't hire anyone because we say you can't hire anyone. You can't take risks. You can't act like an entrepreneur. And then they say, wow, what happened to this company? Why isn't it entrepreneurial anymore? Uh, you know, and it's kind of, it's obvious, you know, you've killed it. You, you know, well, why'd you kill the golden goose? Well, we needed the eggs. You know, it's just, it's, the, it's that. Because obviously there's quite a few of you. I think, you know, Raj, Max, and Neil, am I correct in thinking you three just went to, I don't know, did you just meet together down the pub and went, let's do this? How did well, it actually it, no, it was a bit it was a bit um, a bit more gradual than that, actually. I'll, I'll jump in, Max. Yeah, right. So uh, I think um, Raj was badgering me for about a year in, in a very nice and, and good way about, you know, I'm client side now. I know what it's like. We need to have our own agency, blah, blah, blah. It's much better. And, and uh, you know, being in uh, the cozy network world, uh, you know, I was kind of half tempted, but 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 um, reasonably comfortable as well, I guess. And then, but then later down the line, you know, Raj uh, and I were quite good friends, and we'd we'd often meet up and go boozing together and and, and stuff. So um, we, we talked about it more and more. And we mapped out um, we we mapped out like this this structure. We decided we weren't going to have any titles. It was just going to be just going to be a very sort of flat structure and, and, and that sort of stuff. We came up with this name, which I think. Raj, from memory, I think it was probably the worst bit of copywriting I've ever done. Um, it was the was it the idea incubator? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was the idea. I think it's what we were doing. Yeah, the idea incubator because we we were we had this idea that we didn't want to just focus on on setting up an agency. We want to encourage like other ideas, and then you know. We we did the laugh bag thing as as a little kind of a social experiment, and and, and Max had had, had uh, his view from the drink and stuff, and we hadn't even spoken to Max then, but we were thinking it'd be really good to 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 have this sort of very different agency that just encouraged sort of entrepreneurship and and had a startup mentality, and we had a, an end line actually startup for life because we wanted to have an agency where we drive that startup mentality and not lose that even as we grew and stuff but and then um max and i were, were talking quite regularly um over skype and, and stuff like that and, and i wasn't really i thought max is just going to end up you know um and he's not this old but excuse me max but i thought max is was just going to take it easy retire and and enjoy his his wonderful life in moscow but he made it very clear that wasn't um his plans and we got talking um and then the three of us kind of talked more and more over skype and we i think I think it was Max who said, "Well, this name isn't isn't, isn't right, guys, and it, you know it doesn't tap into our our core USP." And we and we kind of all agreed. Um, and then either Max or Raj said something, you know, "We're naked. That's what it's all about. You know, we haven't got these layers and stuff." So that that, that was like a, a light bulb moment on on Skype, and we're like, "Yes, naked health. That's it." And and it just kind of um, steamrolled then from that point. Yeah, and it's not just naked health, right? We've got the consumer arm as well, yeah. which is where where Jonty kind of naturally kind of uh, is, is a partner and uh, helps helps drive that side of the kind of business as well. But just just before we kind of move on to 
other topics. I mean, I've been thinking, listening a lot in terms of, you know, why did we start and how did we start, right? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to one's own personality, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm just going to cut through the mustard. I don't think it's for everybody, really, you know, to start up their own business, but it's probably for enough individuals to start up their own business to kind of really kind of change the industry. I suppose I'd like to probably in the next 10 years see you know, the number of independents outweighing, you know, the number of uh, networks. Because I think that's where, you know, you get away from kind of a monopolistic kind of approach, right? And I think for me personally, just just in terms of what Lee was saying, you know, I think it, could, it solely comes down to people, right? A business is an idea that's kind of brought to life by people, right? And that's your business. So I think it's really important to be nice, you know, I think that might seem very simple, right? I think, you know, it's 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 really important and I value this now to be be nice to everybody on the way up, right? Because ultimately some of these people might end up being your business partners, you know, in the future. You know? I think that's really important. I think that's what some big networks or big companies don't necessarily foster. It's a lot more cutthroat, aggressive, you know, fighting for the same kind of clients, etc. Um I think Stop seeing your colleagues necessarily just as your colleagues, right? So if if you are that way kind of inclined in terms of, I want to do my own thing, then kind of you're not going to be great at everything. I'm not great at everything. Max and Lee are great at everything, oh, right? But as a team, I think that's probably <laughs> right. Um, I think between all of us, we're, we're really good at certain things, right? And I think that's what you really need to get to. Yeah, you, you, to start a business by yourself is, wow. I mean, that must be that's quite lonely, an ordeal, That's lonely. Right? Get the right partners. I agree with Raj. Yeah. Get, get, the, get, the, yeah. get the complimentary partners in place. I think exactly. that's and it's not, it's not all a bed of roses. I mean, you know, we've probably all had no. fairly, well, I certainly have. I'm quite neurotic, but, um, you know, fairly sleepless nights, worrying right. about is it going to work and, you know, are we going to succeed at this and, and so. On, so it's not it's not all a better but i think it's i think but i think it's important i think it's important uh, uh, yes shahid you were sort of saying oh people on cozy salaries etc i think it's really important to say that you don't need to be a massive massive network with a huge PL to actually pay people pretty well if you run the company in a slim and lean way and i think that this is this is the big this is the big worm trap that lots of companies and it's not just it's not just holding companies lots of independent people get themselves trapped and say oh i must have big offices i must have lots of people i must have lots of layers and of course suddenly you have this massive fixed overhead that you've got to service before you can pay people but you know if you can keep it slim if you can keep it trimmed down if you keep it naked there's no reason why you can't actually earn the same salary the same amount of money you did in in the um in the other company, but actually on a much, much lower base. And, and, and that means actually you have to do much less work to get the same amount of money, which is, a, and we all, you know, we love working hard, but we don't work crazy hours. It's not, you know, there is, there is life outside work. And I think, you know, work-life balance is something I think is really important. I think if you, if the one thing that draws you to being an independent is, is that, that yes, it's tough work and sometimes you have to work hard, but you dictate the pace and you do it for yourself. And, and we found that we've had plenty of time to, uh, you know, we, we, we're relaxed about when we work, how we work, when we take holidays, we don't you know, worry too much about timesheets. We trust each other to deliver the work. And I think that is so different. And you know, doing that 
you can actually get the get the salary and the money you need to live on. So you know, you shouldn't be afraid that you're going to be living a pauper's life on on your know, cat food and toast, because um, because it's not like <laughs> speak, speak for yourself. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just lean like kind of kind of <laughs> Sorry, Lee. your secrets out. <laughs> and John T, like, just to sort of bring you in a little bit here. I mean, how how did that all happen? How did you go from just having a chat with Lee and doing a project to then sort of joining this agency on a full time basis? How does that even work? Yeah, well, um, well, basically, because I, I, I have a much more of a consumer background. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really a farmer, although I did do a bit of farmer with uh, with Lee, uh, and and, uh, and and I enjoyed it. But, but yeah, my, my... strawberry strawberry picking in '96. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, out in Norfolk. Um, no, the. Um, that, yeah, because I come from a consumer background. Basically, I, I had. Uh, I had I'm not going to name the the the, the big organization but they they approached me saying hey you know we've got this uh we've got this brief uh we're looking for some, you know a, a bit of alternative thinking type thing and I and I thought okay well great you know I've been talking to Lee I've, I've met Raj and and Max and we we've done all their stuff and um I thought oh, I'll, I'll just take it to them so 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 suddenly we were doing a nice big fat pitch for a crisp uh, brand, and uh, and it was good fun. And 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 basically, you know, just because Lee and Max and and Raj have have you know their foundation is very much in in in, in healthcare and everything else, uh, it, it, our, our skill set completely translates to everything in, in in consumer world. And so and so we thought, right, well, let's let's set up a little consumer branch to 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 what we're doing. Um, so we have that uh, um, in our in our what would you call it in our qu- no no quiver in our quiver. There we go. Quiver. <laughs> and um, and uh, you know and uh, and that's it really. So so me personally, I was you know as a, as a as a director, I. I and I absolutely thoroughly enjoy directing. That's where I come to life um, on set, and and I do that like falling off a log. Um, but I did want to be part of something a little bit bigger than that. I wanted to be able to work with a team, build something that's that's just got more substance to it. Because there's something quite ephemeral about production when you you just you just jump on board, you do your thing. It's hyper intense. And before you even got your head around it, it's kind of ended and you're on to the next one. And I wanted to, I wanted to nurture a, a, an idea, um, work with, 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 with really good people like, you know, and, and we all, we all come up with, with great stuff. You know, Raj will say, Oh, well, I'm not really in the creative thing. He comes up with fantastic ideas, you know, and Max, Max with his strategy and Lee. And we've also got Russ, who's not with us, uh, uh, who, who joined us uh, not, not long ago. And he's just absolutely brilliant. And as a team, it's just, it's just a, it's just a better experience. It's something that I thoroughly enjoy being part of. And I'd rather do that um than 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 continue how i was so there we go yeah i was going to jump jump in there um john t as well I, well firstly just to, to acknowledge russ as well who's a huge part of our of, of our company and uh, not on a call but an, and a fantastic creative whether that's 
you know, consumer or, or health, or he's just a great ideas person. <clears throat> but the other thing, I think John Dee has been a little modest about. about um, so let me just recap a little bit how we, we met in Cannes, obviously, and bumped into each other in a bar after his wonderful speech. Um, and then we had this amazing, we had this amazing brief, actually, at um, last sort of network agency I was at. It was for diabetes. And the client, it was a big global campaign. And the client said, we want you to come in with like a big wide range of ideas and we want you to like shock the hell out of us um and i was like oh i think this could be a, a good time to call john t um so mm-hmm. we got john t in we we had a we had a quite a nice brief written um really focused brief on, on this diabetes project um and and john t kind of sat in the corner he came into the agency he quickly quickly put his feet under the table started helping himself to to beers and coffee and so on um, but but while he was doing that he went off into the corner with his with a pad um and um a couple of days later when you know i think i called a meeting in our old kind of common area wherever we used to like put our ideas up and and, and john d came up you know as, as did a lot of the other great creatives at the time as well john d came up with these amazing far more kind of like challenging shocking ideas that um, that fitted the brief that this client asked us to do. So, so a team of us, and we took John D with us as well. Actually, we flew over to Copenhagen. You can probably guess where. Um, there was, you know, there's about 30 people. A uh, huge global presentation, and I guess John T with myself um, presented all all these ideas, and and they were literally fairly speechless but uh, to begin with in 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 an unsettling way we're like oh my god we've gone too far Uh, but then after the after the sort of the pregnant pause um they they were you know very very positive and kind of blown away and um and then um john went off and and shot shot the the production down in south africa but but i think the point is coming in john d's not just a film director he's a creative like like all of us you know he comes up with ideas and um and and that's key and, and getting him in early um, was was a really big thing from from um, from those days, and and um, you just sort of fitted naturally then into into this when when we set this up. Yeah, and it, it sort of um, it sort of goes back to a little bit about your your point earlier, where networks perhaps are, are sort of very focused on the bottom line. And I, I and again, I, I, you can correct me if I've got this wrong here, but when you were perhaps in your sort of big network role if you had perhaps proposed actually would be great to employ John T on a full-time basis as a you know creative director in the creative department you probably would find that slightly challenging because they wouldn't know how to bill him you know exactly eight yeah. hours a week and it comes down to the sort of point about the sort of this entrepreneurial thing that you know the way the way networks work is basically by saying you need the work before you can get the headcount, and therefore to to speculatively say let's get John T on board because he's a great guy and he'll bring us work. It just isn't it just isn't in networks DNA or in, and not in the networks I've worked in, and and that's a problem because you lose the I, the number of times uh, frustratingly in networks I I've come into that situation. I've got this great guy. I don't quite know what to do with him, but he's talented. And you don't see talented people. Let's get him on board. Ah, oh, but where the billing is going to come? from what's it going to do blah, blah 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 you know you've got and it kills the idea straight away so yeah it's a it's a great point shahid that it, it does kill that creativity to say look let's take a risk on this guy it's got to be worth it and I, I think without without giving sort of names away, probably one network where we were all at was probably even more that way in terms of it became it felt at times more like a bank than a than a creative environment actually. So yeah, WPP um, was really really financially. <laughs> what did I, did I mention? Sorry, sorry about that. I thought you were going for a P. Sorry. <laughs> 
I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I mean, to be, I mean, obviously our, our, our podcasts are very balanced because, <laughs> you know, our, <laughs> our community sort of comes from, from, you know, independence all the way up to networks. And I guess, you know, just to, just to sort of defend them to an extent, um, I'm not here to defend anyone, but just an extent, <laughs> but it's just to say, I guess it, it, it just comes with the nature of the beast, you know, like, you know, if, if maybe a, a, a $50 million account landed in your, in your laps today, you know, um, your structure would have to change and you would have to have, you know, perhaps more, more people. And obviously with more people come more politics and more politics comes more, you know, reasons to have infrastructures in place. And, but I, I, I do find it really, really interesting that you've got John T as part of your, your agency. And I just believe that maybe as independents start popping up because they are popping up, you know, on a, sort of quite regular basis now just because a lot of people are losing their jobs from big networks they're cutting back and people are quite frankly getting fed up and the model I find is interesting because the world is I think John to you said it earlier the world is completely changing you know how we communicate and how we consume content today you know was is very different to maybe last year or the year before that or even the year before that the world is just constantly changing so having different specialists coming in and having people who see things in a different way not restraining yourself to well John T's never worked for a farmer agency before he's got no medical background so what use is he to us obviously you're seeing you're just seeing the person you're seeing the talent and you're just letting them add value to to in the end your client's business and doing some great work so I think it's really really cool yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And Johnny's actually come up with, you know, outside of that diabetes thing that Lee talked about and, and, and our crisp experience, Johnny's come up with a number of different ideas in very, very pure um, healthcare things where, you know, have, whether the clients actually run with them or not, but they, in some cases they have. And they've been things that probably we wouldn't have thought of. So, yeah, it, it just adds that breadth to it. But I think I think I would like to come back to your point, Shahid, about the 50 million. I totally agree with you. Scale um, does kill agencies. And it's a discussion we've had as founders. We've sat down and we, we said in sort of our, our company meetings, yeah, where do we want to go? What, what, what is the size? we want? I think we've universally agreed we don't want to get massive. We don't need to grow at 15% a year. We don't, need, we don't have all of these metrics that, unfortunately, being a listed company, force on holding companies. They're not, you know, that's just the environment they operate in. I think that, you know, small is definitely beautiful. Yes, we want to be a bit bigger than we are. We are. We'd like a few more clients. But do we want to be a massive behemoth? Absolutely not. And I, I think that's that's just not our ambition, not our intention. Awesome. That's really awesome. Let, let's, um, if you don't mind, let's go to how you then started. So you said that you started with no clients. Um, so how do you start with no clients? <laughs> that was, yeah, that was the, the, the very sleepless kind of night stage of, um, of our starter. But fortunately, you know, we've all been around uh, the industry for for a long time and a um, bit of serendipity and and um, just reaching out to to really I mean I've always been very very client facing um, you know obviously Max and Raj um, as part of their their roles were as well but so we we reached out to all of our all of our contacts um, who, who had obviously moved since we 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 were kind of uh, making contact with all sorts of people in our in our previous network roles and and um, we got like uh, we got like a medcoms job actually to begin with so I was um, you know I'm I'm at the heart a, a creative and ideas person, but I'm a I'm a medical writer if I have to be, I guess. I don't tell too many people that. And um, so so yeah, we we did like a, a medcoms medical writing job, 
Max and I ended up going over to Montreal, I think, in Canada to, to run some some symposium, some really important symposium for a really lovely company, actually, um, which was a great success. Then we got more work there. Then, then a really good uh, friend, ex-client of mine, put put us in touch with somebody else, and, and, and um, we, we Max and uh, uh, and I and Raj put together a proposal. We had to go and, and do like a, a, a massive workshop in, in Belgium, which Max kind of led in his in a spectacular way and, and it was like a big strategic thing with 40 or 50 people and, and, and I think suffice to say that client was absolutely delighted with our performance there mm-hmm. that led to more work and, and it's just grown and jaunty you know with the with the um the chips or the or, or the crisps if you're in the UK um we, we had a lovely con- kind of consumer project that we did um as well so so yeah just it it is daunting when you know it would have been much easier to to kind of have a client and i've had this happen in the past actually in previous agencies you know clients saying if you go you know we'll we'll, we'll give you the business and i worked at an independent with with um, a very good friend and ex-partner creative partner malcolm and um, we you know we were too too naive and stupid to make that break then but we had clients saying to us you know if you go we'll give you the work and this time that didn't happen, and and um, you know we, we had to go out there and hunt it down, and 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 you know it, it came, and you know you've just got to do a great job. And, and what's, then, been, what's been really interesting? To, I, I don't know what Rajli and, and Jonty, what you feel, but we we seem to have attracted a certain type of client too, and I think that's kind of kind of nice that we yeah we we've tended to go, to go for more the entrepreneurial startup uh, pharma companies, so nothing nothing big pharma so far, um and and whereas we wouldn't say no to big pharma, it's really it's really interesting with these startups that we start on a different basis. We're dealing with people who are, who are very much like ourselves are doing everything in the company very very hard pressed and are looking for an agency to come and take some weight off their shoulders because literally they don't have the resource and i think that's been a real pleasure um, to to you know this this word partnership is so overused but but i would say it's been a real pleasure to be considered and feel like you really have a seat at the table and that if you say something they'll listen if you have a counter opinion they'll listen they may not totally yeah. agree but they'll listen and and that really is empowering and i think it it makes you do such a amazingly better work and want to work harder just just because of that and i think that's been for me one of the best experiences yeah yeah no i'd 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 echo that i think 100 percent. i mean one one of the common words that we hear is you know fun it's really fun to work with us you know you know and that goes back to max's kind of partnership point um and for us it's really fun as well you know it's kind of you know a, a 30 million pound dollar uh account would be kind of quite interesting but you know is that worth what would probably have to compromise for me probably Probably not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily up for that. Um, we'll be willing to cross that bridge. But <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's out there with yeah, yeah. Yeah. let's dollars, cut that. Yeah. Let's yeah. edit yeah. it out. Actually. No, but, but very quickly. Sorry to, to interrupt you, Raj. But I mean, basically, you know, we have been knocking on 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 the big consumer giants, and they're so ingrained with their networks and stuff, mm. and they've got these rosters and blah, blah, and all this kind of stuff. And we're going, well, just. You know, come on, let's let's do something. I know these guys really well. I've done tons of work with them, and they're just so they 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 risk averse. They risk averse. They can't they can't do it. I mean, it would cost them nothing to just basically add us to 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 the pitch, and and we're so nearly there. And it's kind of you know, so we are working with 
with smaller, more, more, uh, well, more like-minded people to to how we've structured our our organization, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose one, one litmus test is that our current clients are recommending us to other people, not only in their businesses but outside of that. You know, I've never heard of that before. You know, I've never encountered that before. So we're obviously doing, you know, something really well. Uh, for them to kind of do that how, how long did it take you then to get your first job good, good question uh, actually, probably, it was um, six months i think almost six almost six months have we well we formed the company no it wasn't no. that long max no it was about two months i think by the when we formed the company yes but there was a lot of discussion before that i mean in in my view it you know if, if you i think if you go into this thinking that it's going to happen you know maybe it was three, four months, but to me it felt like six months in total discussion. I think that's pretty normal in terms of new yeah, business. Yeah, um, yeah no, fair, fair point. I think, um, yeah, we formed a client formally in August 2018, but we were talking about it months before that, so you're right. And then we we started working with this one particular client on, on a Medcoms project just before Christmas, and then and then that really kicked in more in spring. To, and, to, and, and maybe and maybe it's worth saying, especially Shahid, since you want to sort of talk specifically to people thinking about taking the risk. When this Medcoms project came in, we sort of we didn't look at each other because we weren't virtual. We kind of virtually looked at each other and said, "Do we really want to do this? Is this our core skill set? Is this something we want?" You know, and it looked like it might be more logistics and stuff. And we said, "Well, you know, let's let's take a gamble on this and see where it goes." And it was, you know, it was probably the best decision we've ever made because, like everything, you start small, you grow outwards from it, and suddenly, before you know it, you know, we pre- presented some creative ideas to go at the symposium, which the client yeah. absolutely loved, and suddenly they see us as a creative agency, but, but going from the company that's actually doing the slides to the symposium. So um, that would be a real piece of advice: is you know, don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone and do stuff you haven't done before. Or if it's going to lead you, you can always learn. And as long as you, as long as you feel you can do the job, that the, the, the great thing about about being independent is you take the risk yourself. So it's all down to you. If you feel you can do it, then then give it a go. I, th- I think that's the most important piece of advice, actually, Max, to to anybody. And I've because I've heard that from so many other people who've set up now successful or been part of now successful independence is you know take on the work and you know don't take on work you obviously can't do and you're not going to do well. But you know don't don't just pigeonhole yourself as this one thing. You know do do a medcoms project or do some medical slides and and then you know at every opportunity you know we know this from. For, from being creatives as well, our creative director. Now, every brief you get is an opportunity to be creative and, and solve a problem. So, so you know, take take things on and, and, and just kind of grow and adapt and um, and sort of pivot, if you will, from from there. You're always re- re- rejecting my medical slides, Lee. That's not well, very- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's not go there. Were they medical slides? I thought there was something else, but. <laughs> Okay, great. Well, I think it's time for a shout out. And this time it's for an awesome CGI and animation studio called Boom. And they've written here that they're still producing magic, even in these difficult times. So do check out their work at boomcgi.com. Or if you fancy a chat with the guys, uh, do email jamie at boomcgi.com. And that's J-A-M. IE and I must say I've done a couple of projects with Boom in the past and they're absolutely fantastic um 
guys, really, really wonderful team that really do sort of go all out to produce some really brilliant, brilliant work. Um, so thoroughly, thoroughly recommend uh, you get in touch with them if you've got any great projects coming up. And if you do want a shout out uh, for your services or any job roles on our next podcast, please do get in touch at awards at thecreativefloor.com. I was going to talk about the fun. I think the fun thing is important that Raj mentioned as well. And um, yeah, we we obviously do try to have fun. But I think, but and, and fun aside, what we try to do, and we we talk to our when we have a new client, we do say this quite early on: is you know we will challenge. We're not like young, shy, retiring account execs. So we will you know sometimes say things to them that may be a bit uncomfortable or or you know in a business sense or challenging. You know, and we'll challenge their strategy. And, um, and and anything else that they're doing that we don't think is right, and we'll tell them, you know, we haven't got too much to lose. We haven't got to worry about some, uh, you know, some big network boss and, and all that sort of nonsense. So, you know, if we if we if we we, we kind of say what we think a lot, and for me that you know I've always been that sort of person as well. So that is a really 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 nice place to be. I think that, do I that, think that comes too, doesn't it, Lee and, and Raj, from from a model where we said we're not going to put people in front of a client that can't contribute something and don't have a view. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think once you've once you've once you show, once you've demonstrated that you've earned the right to challenge. I think the worst thing is to challenge because someone back. So the creative back in the agency said no, push push back on this. They should they should like this work. Poor little account manager goes into the client and the client says no, and it, it's a terrible situation to be in. I think that's one of the biggest problems with the layered model. I think that you know talk to the people that actually have got the experience and have got a reason and understand why they're challenging rather than just because they've been told to from the range. Mm, yeah, totally. When you when when you're pitching, then do you, do you are you generally pitching against other independents like yourselves, or do you know if you're pitching against you know some of the bigger agencies no, out there? We've been up against some of the some of the bigger agencies. We've pitched against some big consumer agencies. So we recently pitched against a very big consumer agency for a, a, a one that we didn't we didn't win. Um, no, we, we we tend to we tend to come up more against the kind of independence or the smaller networks, um, but um, but now we have come across big big consumer yeah. agencies as well. So I don't I, I think it's a mix. Well, and also we haven't, to be honest with you, um, Shahid, we haven't done masses of pitches because we haven't really needed to, which has been, I mean, I love, I love and hate pitches. I love them because, you know, it's the energy and the adrenaline and you can be really creative, but, but also it's a bit of a drain, um, particularly for, from a business point of view. So, you know, we've got a lot of um, work from, from clients we've known previously and then referral, as Max mentioned. And so that's been, and from a young business point of view, you know, we, we haven't, you know, if you you know we didn't chuck loads of cash into this or anything like that so from a young <clears throat> business point of view it's really good not to have to do too many pitches really to be honest so you don't really pitch you just literally pick up projects well, well we do I mean, we've done a few pitches and we, we've been reasonably successful there but we you know because uh, to max's point we don't want to grow really rapidly into you know 30 40 50 mm. people so we, we're quite selective as, as well um, and you know, fortunately, we've got work from prior contacts, and then doing a good job with with, with the one thing we we picked up originally, and then and branching out from that. So it's been quite organic rather than kind of um, hardcore pitching. Yeah, we've had to put in proposals, I guess, more than pitches yeah. in, in many cases. You know, come up with a good idea, and if it's a really good idea and, and we like it, we'll, we'll fund it. And I think that's a, I think that's that's one of the things that people lose sight of. I think one one of the great things that, that 
we've been doing is, you know, we get a, we get a, um, a, a an account or we, we get an in or a project or whatever, and then we're always looking for what, what else can we do for this client, what's missing here, and going back. And I think clients really like that in terms of, you know, I, I think this this, this proactivity thing that, that everyone's, but it, it is that proactivity. If we're thinking of their business, we're thinking, oh, here's a great idea, come up and say, I've had this great idea for this. What do you think? Yeah, put it down. Let's put a proposal together. Let's put a budget. Client looks at, oh, like it, great. Like it, don't have the budget. It doesn't matter, but at least at least we've come up the process. I think that's the way we're. So that's that organic growth is not just waiting for the client to ask us to do the work, but us going to the client saying, "Don't you think this would be a lovely idea?" And um, you know, they they often find the budget for it. Yeah, no, and I think not. You know, to maybe to balance it, the the network passion thing out a little bit. I, to to be fair, you know. Particularly my, when I was at the VAS, there, there was a pretty good culture there in terms of being entrepreneurial and, and proactive with ideas. And, and the mantra very much there used to be, you know, do good work and the money will follow. But I think that was a long time ago. I don't know if it's, I hope it is still like that, but, um, but I don't think many networks are like that. But, but you know, I think it's about just being proactive, you know, thinking. And I think, you know, we're a very strategic agency as well. So we're not just about coming up with nice pictures and, and creative ideas. You know, I think we, we we look to try and really genuinely solve strategic problems for our clients. And and, and that's where we, we almost, you know, our brainstorms begin in, in strategy before we get anywhere near creative. Mm. Yeah, totally. I don't know if this is a really stupid question, but I'll ask it anyway. John, you can answer it. it's for all of you actually it's for all of you and i think it it, you know certainly i think we've all experienced this feeling it's that it's that sunday evening feeling you know that sort of sickness in your stomach you know that you know (laughs) when you know it's like before you're going to school type of thing like since you've been working you know together and you've got you know after the first six months of sleepless nights and all that sort of stuff, have you ever felt mm. that feeling, even though you're working for yourself? No, I've I've, ne- I've never ever felt that feeling. No, I, I was. So, I think. Yeah, I haven't I, either. Actually, to be honest, I, yeah. I, I felt. I have definitely felt that feeling. I have to say, the the the, the pitness, mainly mainly because of having to travel every every week. Um, but I will say, definitely. Not in fact, you know, with, with COVID, with lockdown, everything else, I, I don't even know what day Sunday is, to be honest. Yeah. So that's, I think that's probably a no. I don't know, John T. No, no, no. To be honest, I've, I've always kind of tried to do exactly what I want. And the only times, I guess. I guess back in the days when I did work at one one particular one, am I allowed to name particular organisations? Is that all right? Yeah, I worked for Disney, and that that was quite a tricky one because I was so ingrained into the organisation and the and the the thing. I I did dread going in there, actually sitting there and just going through the pace, and and that that was a a big. A uh, big factor in me setting up a few years back, setting up a little production company, and 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 giving it a try. That one didn't particularly work out, um, and then I went. I you know I continued, and and you know as you know I've I've, I've been directing um, uh, ever since. But um, yeah, definitely uh, since so for 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 many years now I haven't felt that thing. I mean, basically Sunday is a Monday is a 
whatever you know there, there are times where you want to spend it with with your family and friends and things like that but you know when work is is more of a pleasure and you're just you're just juggling things and something comes in and you just want to react to it and mess around and you know talk to talk to your colleagues about you know where it's going and and then and there isn't a time frame for that really yeah and i guess to, to roger's point i've you know I, I grew up in a in a, a fairly sort of um fairly poor sort of working class background in, in south wales mining valley so so my my kind of ambition was always just to get a job so then you know being in a big network or whatever that agency was you know being in charge of quite a lot of people and doing you know, getting paid really well to come up with ideas. I was always like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. So I was like, I never had that sort of Sunday kind of dread. I mean, a little bit now and then you would, but I, but I think, um, you know, on a Sunday now when you're thinking this, what, what's on this week and we all have a, a call on a Monday and a talk, that's an even better feeling when, when you're thinking this coming week is going to be doing stuff for, for our own company. Um, it, it just makes it even, even better, you know, than, than, than working with somebody else. You know, we, we've been kind of working virtually since the day we started. It was kind of an, A, because of my geographical location, B, because we just didn't see the point in getting offices. And, you know, we've, we've made it work. And I think that we, we kind of were, were there before everyone else did. And, and, and I, I think even when the COVID restrictions come off, yeah, obviously we'll, we'll, I'll travel and we'll, we'll get together a bit more face to face. But it's amazing how much you can do virtually. It's amazing how efficient you can be. It's amazing how you know, with, with modern communications, you know, you, you can run the business almost seamlessly as if you're in the office. If we have a problem, we get on Teams and we solve it. You know, for clients, we, we've, we've kind of been able to really run some of the best advisory boards. We do quite a lot of advisory boards, um, probably better than face-to-face because we've been able to focus them and be able to really stick to a strict agenda and be able to sort of drive them in, in a way that's really delivered for the client what they, what they were looking for. So I think, you know, we, we've kind of built up this momentum of, of, of distance learning and kind of when everyone's been kind of saying, oh, COVID is terrible and everything else, we're saying, well, it's kind of normal. We, we're kind of used to this. And I think that's been a, um, I, th- I think the new reality for us is the same as the old reality. We'll probably carry on doing it. Yeah, that's really interesting. What What do you think is going to happen then to the current agency model that we all know of? What do you think is going to happen to it? Well, so I'll start, you know, if you, if you see what's happening in terms of uh, so a company I know very well, WPP, what, what you've seen is there was the expansion phase where everyone's buying everyone and, 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 and Sir Martin was going up and buying Ogilvy and JWT and Gray and Y&R and everything else. And now we're in the collapsing phase where they, they, they into a black hole. So, and I think Mark Reed is doing the right thing with WPP, get rid of debt. You know, Martin lived on a, a bit of a Ponzi scheme of just keep buying companies and hopefully, you know, no one will realize that it's it, it's all built on debt. And I think Martin's, uh, Mark has, has, has kind of inherited that. But we're seeing this in, inward collapse, the holding companies, consolidation. So our dear old company, Suttler, has now become Alphabet Soup, whatever, VM, blah, 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 A, B, C, D, E, F, G, um, et cetera. And, and so that, I don't think that collapse in the black hole is going to continue. I think Publicis is, is experiencing the same sort of thing. And so I think we will, and I think Shahid, you would see, see the rise of the independence. And, and, and what's going to be interesting is at what stage the clients kind of wake up a little bit to the fact that maybe the consolidation model, which they've been sold, is, is, is probably not delivering what they wanted. And maybe they need to go back to a, a slightly different model. And I think that's going to be the drive, because I think that the agencies are collapsing, but the clients, are, interestingly, are lagging and holding on to the old model. And I think when they realize that's when the big sheet change is going to happen. 
Can, can I just add something that, I mean, you know, it's not really going against the grain of what you just said, but, um, you know, it, it's a, maybe it's a cyclical thing. And, you know, the, 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 the time of the big network has, has, has definitely, uh, it's, it's definitely been super successful uh, over the decades, but uh, I think it's the time of the independent now. And, uh, you know, and for the foreseeable future, independents are just going to rock it because they just can deal with things so much more uh, effectively than the than networks can. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're right, John. Actually, my experience of being, I guess, 20, 25 years has, has been definitely probably much like the economy at large, quite quite cyclical and, um, you know, very independent focus when I first joined the agency and, and then the, the rise of the big networks, which is where I ended up being lured to. And, um, you know, I'm, obviously we're biased and, um, and maybe maybe it, it, it's not exactly like this, but it certainly feels like there's much more of a shift now towards independence. And we hear this from, you know, talking to big, big top five pharma companies who are no longer just pitching stuff out to to um, networks and they're, they're looking for more bespoke and and and, mod, and agencies like ourselves with different models yeah, yeah. I, Go on, sorry, Go. yeah I, th- I think i think networks or whatever whatever you want to kind of call them will always be there right will because i think there's definitely a role for them you know if you've got you know um these huge kind of shifts or, or accounts that need handling and you need that economies of scale because remember, you know, client side, big business is also driven by P&L as well, right? So there's going to be that kind of marriage at the top, but I don't, I don't see them kind of being at the heyday that they were in, in this, you know, 80s and 90s anymore. I think it's going to be probably at least 51% within the next decade of independence and more vertical um, uh, agencies or consultancies, right, that don't do everything. Because I even have a challenge with calling ourselves an agency. I mean, we're not agents for anything. We're not selling media or anything like that. If anything, we're more of a vertical consultancy, right, in healthcare and consumer. So that that's kind of from a nomenclature point of view. Certainly, that's where I'm. I think that's a good. We, we did deliberately early on actually say we're not an agency. We even said that to lots of potential clients. I mean, never never going to call ourselves an agency. But I think over over time, we've just slipped a little back back into that, into that definition. Unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, but I think that's kind of driven, certainly at the start of getting on clients on board and procurement, that's how they kind of perceive you. But it's a slow education curve, right? You know, and to some degree, we're, we've started to convince some procurement, certainly from the value side of the argument that, you know, we shouldn't be seen within the framework of, a, of an agency because we're not because we're not like the networks. We're not like the big uh, agencies per se. Just a picture of me, and then they realise we're not an agency. <laughs> well, we don't introduce you until the contract signed, mate. Generally, but <laughs> this, this is um, this is something that I've wanted to ask you since the start of this podcast. So you can answer, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Um, but... I never lend any money, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Okay, all right, okay. Second question then. All right, all crypto. <laughs> what, what 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 do you what do you miss about networks oh that's an that's yeah that's that's an easy one actually i miss it's, it's people i mean you know and day-to-day interaction with people in the real world is, is kind of nice the thing i miss is 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 just the people i mean there's there's quite a few people i i i hope i never see again actually and, and don't miss at all but there's a lot of people i do i do really miss from all my well all my agencies so so that's that's an easy easy answer for me mm. 
I could probably go next. I think I, I think I missed the expensive furniture, the the communal area toys <laughs> that the clients want to pay for. Essentially, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like super tables and boxing right. boxing bags and all okay. that. You know, um, I I would Mainly. I would agree with Lee. I think the, 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 the there are wonderful people in in, in in everything, and I think that you know just because we've been a bit harsh on the networks, it, it doesn't mean that you know. I I think uh, John T was right. They've, they've kind of They've kind of had their day. Will they come back? Maybe they will. I think we're, we're in a different cycle. But I think, you know, the, the people in them, I, I've met some of the most amazing people in the network. And, you know, as I said before, one of the things that disappointed me most was not being able to treat those people or seeing those people not being treated in the way that I felt they should be treated. And I think that's, that is, that, that, that so I, I'll miss the people, but I won't miss having to disappoint the people. Yeah, and I'd just like to add that uh, I just missed the free cat food. Oh yeah, that is, that is big. That is big. Really how, how many cans are you on a day now, John? Do um, one and a half uh, of the of the wet stuff. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> and I think yeah, what you say about being a virtual independent is really interesting because technology has now allowed literally anyone as you just guys have demonstrated, to set up your own agency. But even us. Yeah, well, no, even you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's yeah. great. It's really cool. Yeah. I think that's a really awesome place to conclude. I just, uh, I hope that anyone listening to this has really got, you know, a, a real grasp of, of what you guys have gone through. And I think that the things that I certainly took out was, you know, be nice to people, work with nice people. You know, there's nothing more important right now in terms of life work balance and and the ultimate fear in life is not being in charge of your own destiny so i think you know what you guys are doing is fantastic i hope that anyone listening to this is being inspired and i wish you all the very best of luck and thank you so much for for joining this podcast today um so yeah just wish you all a very happy new year thank you raj thank you max thank you lee thank you very and, much, and thank you john t oh thank you Shahi. if you do enjoy listening to these podcasts please do rate, share and subscribe whenever possible.